broadcasting live from Florida's capital city. This is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1... Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. Thanks for joining us. Good to be with you on a Balls Wednesday. What an eventful, eventful time. Season can't get here soon enough. I've got some news on that front here in a moment. We were joined last hour. If you missed it, go back and get caught up. Watch on War Chant TV and uh, like and subscribe while you're at it. You can listen to the podcast. Appreciate that as well. Make sure you subscribe to that. Get that War Chant app, baby. It's all housed right there. Shows, podcasts, all the stuff we produce, it's all right there. Uh, I bring it up because, uh, you know, it was an interesting conversation about the desperation one feels and then a commissioner's effort to try to perhaps, <laughs> perhaps lend a hand and, and, and some hope, but it didn't happen today at all. And, and that really let you know, I'll reiterate here, it really let you know just how poorly this has gone for the ACC. I want to I want to bring up something here. There's an excellent piece. I, I saw some guys on the boards had this. I'm glad they did because I had read it as well, and then I saw some folks on the WarChamp board, message boards, were commenting on it. And it's a great article, but it's one that I, <laughs> I'm hoping the ACC – adopts if you're resigned to being a second-class citizen and there is no chance for you to compete at the highest levels of football and you think it's a travesty that this is the route that universities have gone in their pursuit of the almighty dollar well then fine go back to doing it your way adhere to those tenets and allow those that like to walk to walk that'd be great but I, I'm not going to read the whole – I'm not going to uh, talk down to you and read this entire article. But I will read the beginning of it by Ned Barnett. It was in the Charlotte Observer, I do believe. And it's talking about the uncertainty that clouds big-time college football's future. The two mega conferences, obviously the SEC and the Big Ten, having lured away key schools from less wealthy conferences, Right. And you go to Oklahoma and Texas, they depart the Big 12, go to the SEC, Midwest-based Big Ten announcing that they've expanded the West Coast by taking USC and UCLA. And the consolidation is about, I'm quoting from the piece, the consolidation is about what the keepers of major college football can never have enough of, money. But it's also about impoverishment, both monetary and moral. Now, you heard a little bit of that today from Jim Phillips, it, uh, you know, appealing to the bigger picture of what this does to higher education. And, of course, when you hear it, you roll your eyes. Because even if you agree with him, and I would think that in principle most do, but the ship sailed ages ago, you can't now retroactively here, you know, decide, hey, you know, this may not be good for the sport, everybody. May not be good 
for the university system, for academics, may not be good for the collegiate model. What are we, are we trying to be professional football? It already exists and they do it better. No, you can't do that. Now, you know, that's it. Horse is out of the barn, baby. And we talk about their, you know, whether it's an academic mission or an arms race. It, we know where we stand. And he was asked about being Pollyanna. In fact, we have that audio clip. I want to play that in conjunction with what I'm talking about here, Matthew. Uh, it's the one where he's asked about, where he's, he's basically asked and told, look, you, people are going to criticize you for the way that you're viewing this. And here, here's his response. Here's the question and the response. Joe Giglio from WRL. How are Joe. you, Jim? Um, your sincerity and the belief in the collegiate model is obvious. I don't think anyone can question that. Uh, but in fairness to you, we are going to be critical of that because it does seem a bit old-fashioned. Do you think this attitude still works in 2022 and that it'll still work in the next five to ten years for the ACC as you get lapped financially by the Big Ten and the SEC? We owe it to those kids, Joe. I, I, this is no time to be waving a white flag on that. And I'm not trying to be Pollyannish about it because I, I live in the real world in the real times just like all of us do and times change and move. But for us to ignore the affordability and access and opportunity that it provides to young people, I think that would be a huge mistake. Huge mistake. And I'm okay with living in different neighborhoods. That, that's not my point about you got to be in the gated community. My point is the community is best when all neighborhoods are healthy. All of them. Some will never reach 25 or $30 million in revenue to provide for their athletics department. But that doesn't mean they don't deserve to be a part of it, to barter the system, part of championships at times. And we're talking about different levels within Division I. We're talking about subdivisions and all of those kinds of things in the Transformation Committee. But if we take that path, that it's only going to be about football and basketball, that's shame on all of us. It just is. And I understand. I understand the criticism that comes with that. And that's okay. It's, it's, I think it's up for public debate and opinion about what's right. And I know, I understand about getting lapped. I, I, I do. I, I, I get it. I've been in those conferences. I worked in the Big 12 or Big 10 for for 12 years. I was in the SEC, but I was also in the Mid-American Conference. And I know what those kids did at Northern Illinois. The only thing that was different was the name on the jersey and the colors. They were just as committed to having a great experience as those coaches were just as committed. Yeah, Jim, we're not, at least on behalf of Florida State, we're not okay with <laughs> being relegated to a subdivision. We don't want to live in a different neighborhood. We, we like this one here, the big one that we've, that we've lived in for some time. We would like to continue to live in it. But that is now being challenged and threatened. He mentions the Transformation Committee. That's fine. And, and I want to say something here. Jim Phillips, I, I would have probably opted to word things slightly different. The truth is, Jim Phillips didn't obviously make this mess. So for anybody that missed it, I'm not blaming Jim Phillips for Florida State's problem, the ACC's issues. 
He is the active commissioner, however, and today felt like a very sad but honest to an extent admission that there's no way out. There's no way to compete. But when you start talking about, as you sit there at the dais amongst these schools, when you start talking about it's okay with playing in a different neighborhood and you're the active commissioner of the ACC at a time of great crisis in college football where money is dictating terms, you're all but admitting that you cannot raise the level of revenue to be competitive with those two power conferences. So now you've let your schools know that if they desire to do that, it ain't going to be here. And again, I know he understands the reality of this situation, but it is Pollyanna to sit around and talk about what we're doing to college athletics and it being solely about money in football and basketball because the time for that discussion was long before now and it has since passed. To bring it up now is as if to say, I know we can't get on board with what those two mega conferences are doing. And I think it's shameful that they're doing that. And I hope they realize that and extend a helping hand. Well, they're not going to, man. They're not going to. They know what they're doing. And they don't care. It is about the money. Now, there's a lot about the collegiate system, about athletics in college sports. There is a lot about education. None of you are tuned in to me to hear me talk about that. But I've got all kinds of opinions about what we've done to the value of a degree and all this other stuff. But that's you wouldn't go to this ACC kickoff and have that conversation. That's not, it's not the time. It also... I mean, it, it certainly reveals that there is no path. Surely they uh, continue to these conversations. I mean, what's the line? I wrote it down here. Um, revenue consultants, we're looking, we're looking at our television contract. You bet you are. Um, yeah, I, I imagine you are. There's a line he had in here about the revenue consultants in which they're exploring other ways. And man... The only way is to get your 50-50 partner on board with your way of thinking, which is to say that if it comes down to just two mega conferences, then the health of the sport and your finances are affected. Please help us out. Come to the table and renegotiate this deal so that we have a chance to compete. Since we are, quote-unquote, 50-50 partners, and the ACC is, this is not debatable, it is a fact, an asset. It may not be as valuable an asset to ESPN as the SEC. Of course, it isn't as valuable an asset as the SEC is is to ESPN, but the ACC is an asset. And most people aren't inclined to just throw away assets. Not without getting something in return. The hope here is that What we know to be inevitable is seen through the eyes of those making great decisions, the big decisions down the line at these networks, as, as, hey, you know what? Let's take our most valuable assets within this ACC umbrella 
and put it where we can increase the value of the greater asset, which is the SEC, and then spin off this other asset into something entirely different that is understood and agreed upon by those that stay behind. Because I'll tell you something right now. You will watch both. You will watch the big boy football in these two mega conferences, whether that is 48 teams, 60 teams, whatever it is. You're going to watch that. Of course you are. And you'll look at that and say, this is different. This is a thing over here. And you'll enjoy it for what it is. Maybe you'll love it. Maybe you hate it. I don't know. Maybe you're lukewarm about it. Maybe maybe that leads people to say this very thing. And I've thought about this before, and I wonder if college football's higher-ups have. At what point does the guy that always loved college football more than pro football because of its collegiate nature and all that other stuff, at what point do you just decide, well, why am I watching NFL light? Why don't I just watch the NFL? If it's going to be about the money, if it's going to be about who's got the most money, I'll go to a place where we, we have a competitive model that allows everybody to compete because there's a salary cap, and I know exactly what these contracts mean for these players. And I know that if my team sucks this given year, it doesn't have to stay that way for very long because I've got the first pick in the draft. Why wouldn't I just watch that instead of this? That's a different question. I don't know if they're thinking about that. But you'll watch that, and then you know what else you'll watch? You'll watch Marshall versus Tulane. For a variety of reasons, you'll watch that. You may be even more inclined to watch those kinds of games when this all shakes out. And we do have NFL football, NFL light, and then this other thing. Maybe you will be inclined for those that get left behind to watch, I don't know, Arizona versus Iowa State on a Saturday afternoon, knowing that this is the different thing, but it feels a lot more like college football than this other thing that's been created. Maybe you will. I'll watch both because I love football. I'll watch both because I love football. But it is going to be a very different thing It's just a matter of which teams are going to be part of this, which teams are going to be part of that. And we know Florida State's chips are in the middle of the table. They have decided a long time ago when they built that stadium and they added on to the erector set and decided, we want to play big boy football. We're a national power. Bobby Bowden has created this national power. So there's no going back. So we know what we are and what we want to be. And we know, and so does Clemson for that matter. And I imagine there's a handful of other schools in this conference that feel that exact same way. The sooner we can get out there and call this for what it is and guys can start making decisions, and I get it, it's not easy to walk away from the potential revenue. But can you compete? Do your alumni, do your boosters, do those folks want to do that? This group does. Now, the question becomes... To, to what degree can they? Well, listen, if they're, getting, if they're eating from the same money trough from the new TV deal when they're part of the expanding SEC or the Big Ten, then yes, they can. Then yes, they can. To, to what degree, right? At some point, diminishing returns and all that stuff comes into play. But it, it's, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. It's frustrating. Today further cemented the belief by most already before the speech that the ACC is absolutely screwed. Tom Wang joins us next from Charlotte. Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Warchant TV.
Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply the jeff cameron show is a production of the warchant.com multimedia network check out warchant.com today for the latest news inside florida state athletics that's warchant.com now back to jeff on real talk 93.3 jeff Cameron show 93.3 real talk radio and warchant tv so when I was reading from said article earlier, uh, I didn't get to a part that I wanted to. And and the, the article rightfully cuts to the chase about where, where the ACC's at. And the gig is up. That's it. And there was a media expert that uh, talked to the News and Observer. Quote, we're going to end up with three and a half conferences in the end. We know who two of them are. The question is, what will happen with everything else? The article goes on to say, now the expanded ACC may break up. ACC schools with the most national prominence in football will be absorbed into the mega conferences. Yes, yes, let's let's get to the getting. And I appreciate that. I like this resignation. I would like the commissioner and the others who know that they do not seek to compete at the highest levels and eat from that trough, to let all of those that would like to and have the prominence to do so to leave without penalty. Doubt that's going to happen, but at least give us a path. Final part before I go to Tom Lang, who joins us from Charlotte. The ACC will try to remake itself to stay in the big-time football game, but its best course may be to go back to its roots, focus on basketball, stress academic quality, quit the arms race of the ever-bigger facilities and ever-higher-paid coaches. Maybe the top ACC football schools will leave the conference, but what may come back is football in proper proportion. Few ACC schools are ever going to be good enough to beat Alabama or Ohio State for a national title, and it's not going to get any easier. The ACC should just invest in its strengths, not its weaknesses, and move on. Oh, please. Please let that happen, everybody. And for those of us that do care and can and have beaten Ohio State and others, let us go do so. Tom is there in Charlotte holding it down, warchant.com, of course. Hello, good sir. What's up, man? I'm not okay with living in a different neighborhood. How about you? <laughs> nope. I like this one. It's a nice neighborhood. It's been, it's been good to me and my kids. And I can afford to be here. Why do I have to leave? <laughs> oh, man. So that was something. But I want to ask you more pointed questions about anything and everything that has to do with FSU because that's the other part of this. Mostly, last hour I spoke with Ira about uh, what looked to be a meek, sad, resigned commissioner uh, of a conference that's dying. Uh, 
But we're still here, and they are going to have a season, and practice begins next week. Rumor is one week from today practice begins. Uh, so that will, for the time being, allow for us to escape onto the football field, and it's an important season. And so I imagine there were questions from Mike Norvell and the three-player representatives. Uh, your thoughts on what they had to say. I'll let you go big picture. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I think confidence would be the word that I use. It's not bravado. Uh, nobody's proclaiming 10 wins or an ACC championship, but everybody just has a, an extra quiet confidence about them. I think it's because this offseason for a lot of these players has been one of continuity. You know, Even last year, you're coming off of the COVID season. You don't really know what things should run and look like under Mike Norvell and, and his program. And on the heels of finishing 5-3 and three last year, they figured some things out. They carried that over into the spring. I think a lot of the cancerous elements of this program were cut out of the program. So it just seems like the guys are relatively on the same page. Now, this is pie-in-the-sky season, an event like this, and then FSU subsequent media day and, and some of the things that are said in camp. But there's just an earnestness in the confidence that I'm gathering from each of these players individually, and, and there's no mistaking it either. The three guys that are here all have a giant 12-game season in front of them for their own careers and future aspirations, and you can sense that too. Yeah, so on that front, obviously the leader of this team and the unquestioned leader of this team this year, unlike last year when you were there at this time, very different questions being asked, is Jordan Travis. Now, I know some of the conversation has centered around uh, him putting on weight, and while I care about that, I'm not interested in going down that road. He's going to always be a little smallish uh, in that sense. Uh, it's nice that he's over 200 pounds now. Good. Uh, how he throws, how he plays, the decisions he makes, and where his head's at as we start camp is what I'm interested in. Uh, anything revealing about what Jordan Travis had to say about this upcoming season? Uh, just that, you know, it's clear that it's his show. These, this is his program to run. And you kind of saw the body language during spring camp that, there was no doubt in the way he was carrying himself on the field. Sometimes he would have bad days in spring camp. Sometimes he'd have good days, but he knew it was his club. And I asked him that question because he deferred to some of the players he's learned from, including and leading with Mackenzie Milton last year. But he sat in the exact same seat in the exact same room that he did last year. Usually they move the players around. And I said, there's no other quarterback over there. So what does it feel like? How, how does it feel that this is yours now? This is your group. And he, it was hard for him to keep the smile off his face. You know, he was mostly stoic, but in that moment he said it's just it's very exciting. And I, he also went into his leadership style, which is he's not a, a rah-rah or curse somebody out kind of guy. He's somebody that's going to pull you aside, deliver the message that needs to be delivered. It's just it seems like this is a player who knows how he wants things to operate. He knows how he wants to lead. He knows how he wants things to be structured. And now he has a chance to affect that change and, and make it his own. So we'll see what that does, what it parlays the season into, but – He's somebody who has grown into his own, and that's what we'll be watching very closely here this time next week. Well, the questions surround this offense primarily and how much further he can take them, how much better they are up front. Have they gotten better at wide receiver? Does he have more options? That's all interesting, but I think the other side of the football is fascinating and that there seems to be, and I want you to comment on Jamie Robinson and Fabian Lovett, there seems to be a confidence within this group no doubt born out of the second half of the season when the team went 5-3 and three over its last eight games and played a pretty consistently solid brand of defense, unlike what we saw through the first four weeks, which was simply putrid. Was that reflected in their commentary today? 
Yeah, mostly I'd say with Jamie Robinson. Fabian Lovett went into some detail about specific players in the defensive line and, and some of the guys he's proud of. But Jamie Robinson spoke to that moment that things kind of changed for them because he was pretty open. He said that, you know, of, of the groups in the, on the defensive side of the ball, the secondary was the group that we were letting the team down. It was our fault. And we had to reconcile that. We had to gather ourselves together, deliver a message that, you know, this blank is not going to stand. We need to get better, and it has to be starting with us because we're the ones who are not pulling our own weight. And that's when things changed. He said communication lines were drawn. Uh, he even alluded to a couple of the relationships he has with his segment mates in which they weren't really friendly off the field, but they found a way to connect off the field and get to know each other, and, and that's how they, they've grown and the chemistry has grown on the field. I mean, I, I think it's part and parcel, though, to a couple of things. You remember this last year. Uh, they simplified the amount of guys that were coming in and rotating on the field, and that's when they grew. The players seemed to be playing within their roles. But Jamie Robinson spoke to that today, how it wasn't just about schematics or personnel. It was also... You know, they had to have a come-to-Jesus among themselves. Players only, uh, no coaches, and, and that's what they've done, and he's carrying a lot of confidence to these meetings today. Did they mention anything about their defensive coordinator, Adam Fuller? No, not a whole lot. Uh, but then again, uh, you know, to protect that, I don't want to sound like uh, I was there for every word that they spoke throughout the breakouts. I was kind of wandering back and forth between guys just to catch certain questions, ask questions I wanted to. Uh, nobody really that I was in front of talked a lot about Coach Fuller, but they all talked about the direction and how they feel like they understand the process now. So, I mean, without bringing his name up, I'm sure that's a way of evoking an Adam Fuller response, but I wasn't there for 100% of what they said, so I want to be careful on that one. To the head coach, uh, obviously we all know how important this season is for Mike Norvell. It's been talked about ad nauseum, we know that, but it is. There's no escaping that. Uh, He's certainly well aware of it. And I like that he's never hid from that. He's also been very careful about setting the tone and what those expectations should be. Uh, Unlike his predecessor, he hasn't made over-the-top promises of the highest-scoring offense in the country and a record that would have us knocking on the door of the college football playoff. But he's got to produce this year, and we know that. What were his thoughts on the upcoming season and, and where he's at? Because he's better equipped to have a season of significance than he's ever been here by far. He, he actually has a, 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 let's say, a decent offensive line with a modicum of depth. Uh, thoughts on Mike Norvell? Okay, so a couple of times the offensive line was brought up today. He couldn't help himself but giggle, uh, and, and I mean that in a giddy and relieved way. I put that out on Twitter. It, it happened in the breakout room, and then when we got the local media exclusive, same thing. He was asked about the offensive line, and the second question he was asked was, you know, look, last year uh, you couldn't even field a second-team offensive line to work with your backups because, well, we fixed that, didn't we? You know, and, and he started to chuckle. You can tell he does feel equipped. He said three powerful words that uh, you'll see on, on WarChan TV. Check out that video after the show's over today, but success is coming. That's one of the things he said, and, and the way he relayed that was, look, this has been a long rebuild and a retool. And I don't know if he used the word rebuild, but this is essentially what he was getting at. It's taken a while to get where we're going. But this is how you build long-term success, is you, you make sure that you build things the right way, you find culture fits, and then you develop from there. So I don't think he was proclaiming that eight wins are coming, ten wins are coming, but he's saying success is coming, and he knows what the stakes are this year. It's just you can see it in his eyes. He feels better equipped to have the fight than he has the last couple of years at this event. Yeah, and he, he, he's not resigned to anything either. He, he is in the midst of the fight. He is there on the field. He cares deeply 
because he's committed to that process. And I know those are all code words and things that we roll our eyes at. Eventually, we want to see tangible success. But I think that because he's been unwavering, uh, that that guy wants it more than anybody because he's got the kids who bought in. So he cares about them, and that we know to be true. So I'm not surprised to hear you say that he is, he's excited for what they might be. Hey, good work, brother. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow, and uh, safe travels, and, and thanks for reporting there at the uh, ACC kickoff. We stay in this neighborhood, buddy. That's what we say. <laughs> we don't move. <laughs> Somebody's going to have to help us with the mortgage. <laughs> Come on. I'll see you soon. Double down. Oh, man. Good stuff. That's uh, T. Lizzie, producer extraordinaire and uh and you know i <laughs> it's funny i mean it's it's not even what are we it's 135 235 i'm losing track of time i'm thinking to myself i just did not expect the language to be uh, it wasn't rudderless it was resigned i almost wish it were rudder, rudderless and you'd be like well that was confusing he doesn't seem to know this was worse you know because this was a Oh, I know, guys. I know what you know. I'm not even trying to disguise it. If, and this is to answer some of the questions that have come up along, uh, along the way in the chat, if Florida State has a good season, it is remarkable how all of it turns around and how quickly it does. For the better part of, mm, I don't know, 40 years, Clemson was irrelevant. Did nothing. Basically post-80, there's a long stretch of nothingness. Got it together, dominated the sport for a handful of years, and has forever changed not only their cachet, but their brand and the way that they're thought of. And it would take a lot, a lot to undo that. Florida State is, by all metrics, by the way, television, ratings, value, valuations, money, all that, uh, a, a, a huge asset to the world of college football. That doesn't change with five bad seasons. 20? Yeah, probably 20. So that's the fear you can put down. That if there's a way out, Florida State and Clemson get gobbled up quick. About brands now and not markets per se. There's a little bit more to it. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Warchant TV. The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness. Two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. today from Jim Phillips. Any new structure of the NCAA must serve the many, not a select few. We are not the professional ranks. This isn't the NFL or NBA light. This shouldn't be a winner-take-all or zero-sum structure. College sports has never been elitist or singular commercially. Uh, (laughs) Again, Jim, you can argue if you'd like as we do in philosophy class, what ought to be. But there is the reality 
of our situation, the what is. And I don't know that talking about what ought to be on the biggest stage on the heels of the move this offseason by the Big Ten and the season before by the SEC is the time to engage in what ought to be. But he did. He did. And that was that was something to behold. I mean, these for the conference commissioners, in particular of the Power Five, the conference commissioners, this is their state of the union. It is not a time to project weakness, even if the situation is dire. And it is. Curious to think what I would love to be a fly on the wall. I would love to hear what the university presidents think. It's the classic, who's coming with me? Because I guarantee you there are plenty, and, and the sooner we know who they are, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but as we, when you get into debates with people, and you get into debates with people you care about anyhow, because you shouldn't get into debates with people you don't know, because what the hell do you care? But with people you do care about whose opinion you respect, when you're, when you're in a disagreement, a lot of times one of the ways to help clarify and succinctly either further the discussion or end it is to define your terms. So often it's rather nebulous. You're kind of dancing around the margins. You're not talking about the same thing. You're not, how do you define this? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you understood I believe this, this, and this, and or these are the facts. Let's get that out there so we can talk about this and have an honest discussion. Maybe we're on the same side of the issue. Maybe we're not. But if we don't define our terms, we'll never know. We'll just continue with these circular arguments. So I'd like to know that. Which of you endeavor to head on down the road to big boy football with us and which of you realize that your institution is not capable? There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not judging you. It's okay. But here's where we stand. This school, this school, this school, this school, and this school would like to leave now, and they have either the infrastructure, the booster support, the money, whatever, the endowment, whatever they have. They would like to leave, and they feel they can afford to do so. If you have resigned yourself to the idea as a conference, and you being the commissioner, Jim Phillips, that there is no path for the ACC to compete at the highest levels, not as currently constructed with the revenue gaps, and you don't think there are enough teams that can help you get there, because let's be honest, we know, and they think of themselves this way, this is largely the problem, as a basketball conference. That's what it is. They're the best basketball conference. Continue to be. I know that there have been ups and downs in a given year. Sometimes other conferences rise up. But most consistently, for the longest period of time, and for a very long now, very long now uh, time now, uh, the ACC is, is, is thought of and branded, certainly, as a basketball conference. So they've had a hard time in terms of perception, in terms of the way that they're viewed for a long time, they've had a hard time shaking that. They're not going to probably be able to shake it, not with schools like Boston College, Syracuse, Wake Forest, to stomach some extent Virginia, and on down the line, right? They're not, you're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. So if you decide to embrace that that's what's going to be, well, then go do it. Let's define our terms. Who's in and who's out? Wake, they decided to stay down here. Got it. 
the alluded to and aforementioned subdivisions that he talked about in that speech, right? The Transformation Committee. So you go from, okay, here's where we're at. We're doing this. This is what we're going to be. Who's in, who's out. Now we know. I wonder who the two teams are, because we should probably revisit that discussion. I don't think it was an accident that he slipped. I referred to it as a Freudian slip when he said 17 teams. Our 17 teams are committed, as far as I know. He quickly added the caveat, as far as I know, which is code for I damn well know there are plenty of these teams who are trying to get the hell up out of here. But, okay, fine. When he said 17, later on he was called on it, and they, they brought it up, and then he went, well... Okay, 15 teams, sorry. I went with your question about expansion. Yeah, there are 17. You're looking at 17. Who are the two? And by the way, 17 doesn't make sense to me. Either go to 16 or 18. They're at 15. Uh, let's see what ends up happening with that. I, I don't, who would it be, right? West Virginia's moved to the Big 12. Would they move again? Has it been a disaster for them? Yeah. I don't know that there are allegiances or anything like that anymore that matter. Certainly, they're contractually, it's interesting. But what makes the most amount of sense? Now, he talked about there are lots of ways to judge value or relevance, right? Isn't that what he said? And he said he brought up academics, and I went, oh, my man, we're not talking about Harvard and Penn. Don't do it. Then he, then he, then he said, there's, there, so there's academics. Then there's athletic success, whatever that you know, whatever that was. And then there's you can also judge it by money. He said that. All right, well, that's what we're judging it by right now because that's what's going to dictate terms with any addition to the conference. There might be other factors. Are they uh, an institution, an upstanding institution, you know, uh, accredited and all that stuff? Of course. But but assuming that you're not shopping around for junior colleges. Uh, then what, what, what are we doing here? Who are you looking at? Who adds value monetarily? Who increases the value of the television contract that you can negotiate, the one with ESPN, significantly? Who does? Does USF? <laughs> does, I'm just throwing around team names, programs that might be excited about possibly joining, say, the ACC instead of the Big 12, or knows that they're not going to get an invite to the big dance. The most impactful would have to be Oregon, right? You do some coast-to-coast thing. You have a Pacific division and an Atlantic division. And then the Phil Knight money. Right, Oregon and Washington. But I think the Big Ten's going to add them. Maybe, maybe not. If not, you should be in negotiations with them. I mean, yeah, sure. Could you pick up a – but see, this is this is a race to see who's left out because if you're moving to three power conferences, three big-time power conferences, three big football television deals, then it's a race between the ACC, the Big 12, and the Pac-12 as to who survives. So two of them are going to align, right, 
if you're the one left out in the cold, this this game is over. Jim Phillips had best be actively on the phone working his ass off to procure a future for what feels like a dead-in-the-water league. The only way, and it won't be SEC or Big Ten money, but the only way to get something akin to that, something relatively close to that, something that allows you to compete on the level then you better grab some real-name players in this mix and do so and announce it quickly because the other two are doing it regardless. If you're just there hoping that people are going to do the right thing in the name of college athletics or academics, well, you're not reading the room. You have not taken a look at the landscape. Power is an anticipation, not reaction. You're going to have to be the man. He, you know, he, he's new around here. I'm not ripping him for this situation. It's a situation he inherited. But I am curious to see, because the, the, front, the front pushed out there today, the, the, the image possessed today that, that, that is in our mind, that we captured in our brain right now, is one of a, a broken man resigned to his fate. I could be really wrong about that. I hope I am I, to some extent. I, I don't have a problem with Jim Phillips at all in the limited time I've ever talked to him. He's a smart guy obviously. Uh, what he did at Northwestern is a borderline miracle. So you know, maybe behind the scenes while he's presenting one image publicly, maybe behind the scenes he's he's almost all but got a deal. Maybe he's got Notre Dame on the cusp of joining the ACC in football and he's going to add Two other schools, Oregon and Washington, and the ACC's got a coast-to-coast plus a Midwest presence. Who knows? Not to kick a man wise down, but if you're going to present publicly one way, would you pick the way he picked no, today? That, that's, no, no. And I get that there wasn't a lot he could have done. It would have been more powerful for him to say, look, We all see the elephant in the room here, guys. I get it. We come here today at a time of transition in big-time college football, and you're going to ask me, rightfully so, at the ACC kickoff about this conference, its ongoing plight, and what becomes of the Atlantic Coast Conference. Believe me, we are actively pursuing an answer to that question. I do not have a definitive answer for today because it is a process and we are engaged in it. I can assure you we are doing all that we can to ensure a future for this great league. I made that up off the top of my head. And it was ten times better than what we got today. I mean, that. Come on, guys. I mean, that. I needed to be the P- PR firm in the room. When Jim came in there and said, what are we saying today? Something that I just did right there. That Did anybody record that, guys? That's where we're going there. I'll change a couple words here. That was on the fly. I think I doubled up on insure. Let's switch insure. Let's guarantee. Let's do something like that. Affirm. Whatever you want to use. Let's do that. Read that back to me. Susan, read that back to me. Let's go. It can't be that. It can't be what we just got. (laughs) That, That was just... That was from a vantage point of desperation. Uh, so, I, I, you know, again, you don't have a ton of options. You do have some. You need to choose 
aggressively those that lead to a better financial situation when you renegotiate your television contract with ESPN, who I do think, by the way, since they are 50-50 partners on the ACC network, uh, the ACC is an asset. I've said this time and again, this this idea that it, the ESPN uh, sees no value in the ACC is not true. The vo- more valuable asset is, is SEC, but it is still an asset. They still have paid for this to exist in a way that they're invested in. So... They, it would behoove them, short of blowing the thing up, which is what I hope they do. It would, it would behoove them to perhaps help negotiate the addition of assets to strengthen those programs, those teams that remain in this conference, so that they have a viable product to sell. It is still under their umbrella. Now, I, you know, could you help negotiate a new television deal by wooing as ESPN so that Fox doesn't do it with the Big Ten? Could you do that with, I don't know, a team out of Texas and a couple of teams out of the Pac-12? Uh, maybe. Could you grab Baylor? Look, Baylor, uh, for much of its time in the last 10 to 15 years, has been abhorrent. But they are committed and invested You know that they they effort to become big time in the near future. So perhaps that happens, and then you grab them and you grab like we said. I don't know. You know, it's all fun to spitball, but Washington and Oregon. Maybe you could come up with some sort of coast to coast conference and have some fun with the two divisions and you know something along those lines. I want to thank Irish Chaffel for joining us there in Charlotte at the ACC kickoff. They'll make their trek back to Tallahassee tomorrow. Thank my producer, Tom Lang, and today's producer on the show, as well as television director, Matthew. Thank you, sir, and thank all of you. Fun show today, guys. Appreciate you watching and listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Be back with you tomorrow on the Jeff Cameron Show. Take care, everybody.